Live from the ACU of Texas Studios, this is the Clear Lake Today Podcast Network. Welcome to Meet in the Middle Chronicles. I'm Sam Collins. And I'm Norman Papoose. We met in an office and discovered that despite each of us consistently voting for different political parties, we shared a common goal of leaving our kids a better world. When we started talking to each other, we found that we could meet in the middle on many issues that face our nation. That got us wondering, why can't our elected representatives agree? Find the middle on issues. I don't give up my values when I compromise, and neither does Sam. But we know that compromise serves our kids better than what we see in the current political atmosphere. We had a successful radio show, then the Chinese bought the station. But we got with the times, and now we have a podcast. So sit back and listen. Today I cover Super Tuesday, the coronavirus, and whatever comes into my stream of consciousness because Sam, unfortunately, has had a serious family emergency, and so I'm doing the show alone today. And uh, I know we all send our prayers to Sam's family. Uh, Hope everything comes out okay. Um, So the first thing we're going to cover is Super Tuesday. And I believe Super Tuesday was a defining moment in American uh, political history, mainly because everybody had written Joe Biden off. And boy, did he come back strong. And it's all thanks to uh, Congressman Clyburn of South Carolina, a civil rights icon, And what it showed was really, uh, I don't want to use the word amazing, but it it clarified politics because Clyburn saved South Carolina for Joe Biden, which led to the Super Tuesday wins. One endorsement by a seasoned Democrat beat back three months of campaigning by the squad. You know the AOC and and uh, and uh, those progressive Congress members. So just one endorsement knocked all those progressive Congress people out of uh, contention. Essentially, the debate's been decided. And truthfully, and I have to give Sam credit because he said it uh, to me personally before Super Tuesday went. But he thought this is what was going to happen. And he said, now the election is Biden's to lose. So congrats, Sam. You were right. Um, but the, there were a few other things that kind of brought some real clarity to some issues. The first one was the Russian hoax. Well, you had Bloomberg telling Bernie that the Russians wanted him to win. You had Hillary Clinton saying that the Russians were backing Tulsi Gabbard. Well, Out of 500, or I'm sorry, about $300 million in ads for Bloomberg in just 14 states, and he got four delegates out of it. Yet the narrative is that Russia spent $300,000 in Facebook ads and swung a national election. And those two facts just you cannot reconcile. So either the Russians need to come to America and show uh, America how to advertise, or Possibly the Russian advertising wasn't as effective as is previously thought. Could you imagine what they could do with $300 million as opposed to $300,000? Biden, I'm sorry, Bloomberg, I believe that that comes to what millions of dollars, how many millions, $70 million per delegate, something like that. So I think the the Russian narrative has pretty much been debunked by that. Um, That's my personal feeling. 
if you can spend $300 million in advertising and only come away with four delegates, I don't see how you can spend $300,000 in advertising and swing a national election. Now, this goes to what people believe are money in politics. Now, I was one of those people and you know, still am to a degree, but ideas win elections. Leadership wins elections. Money does not win elections. But you know who is not going to tell you that? are the political consultants, because they get rich off this stuff. The media, advertising, they get rich off this. But I, but Bloomberg pretty much showed us that money can't influence the American voter to a great degree. Um, and, you know, I, I think, and that's another reason this, this, uh, this Super Tuesday primary really clarified some issues for the American voter. Um, now, the last thing I want to cover is the Republican voter suppression issues that were coming up. And this morning on our Twitter feed, I pointed out an article by MotherJones.com. And, you know, I read Mother Jones uh, quite often. I don't always agree with them. Matter of fact, I rarely agree with them, but sometimes I do. However, they were talking about the voter issues in Texas and how there was voter suppression in Texas. Well, here's the truth. And this is written down in, uh, in, in the Texas Constitution and the laws that, that are written by the legislature in Austin. The people in charge of the elections, the primary elections, the general elections, are the county clerks. They have the accountability, and they have the accountability because they have the responsibility, as is outlined in Texas statutes. It is the responsibility of the county clerks in Texas to operate and manage the uh, uh, elections on, uh, for primaries and for general elections, uh, for local elections, all the elections. It is not a responsibility of Austin. Now, here's the thing. If you look at the major cities in Texas, Houston, El Paso, San Antonio, Dallas, all are in counties with Democratic clerks. It was Democratic clerks who were responsible for uh, Super Tuesday primary lines. Republicans had nothing to do with it. The county clerks call the shots. Um, so please you know, put that out there because Mother Jones had an article about the weights that were around and, and they linked it to voter suppression and not once did they tell you who's responsible for that mess. And they didn't tell you because it was the Democratic clerks of the county, county clerks. Okay, on to uh, the last thing for Super Tuesday, which was a math problem that came up on MSNBC. And I'm big on math, but MSNBC gets on the air and introduces a New York Times editorial board member named Mara Gay. And and they read a tweet. She and Brian Williams read a tweet. Quote, Bloomberg spent $500 million on ads, U.S. population $327 million. He could have given each American a million dollars, unquote. Now, Mara Gay says, uh, quote, it's an incredible way of putting it. It's true. It's disturbing. And guess what? Brian Williams agreed with her. Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but if you put a million dollars into $500 million, I think you get $500 trillion, something like that. It's not a million dollars per person. I mean, that it, it's just unbelievable how they can't do math. It actually breaks down to $1.53 per person. 
Uh, now, on to issue number two, the coronavirus. And since I got <clears throat> a D in biology in high school, I am not going to tell you anything about the coronavirus that you should be listening to the CDC from. However, I do have personal knowledge of friends who are in the medical industry, the medical supply industry, and, uh, and do business with China. And so I'm going to tell you what they're telling me about some things. Uh, first of all, all you pet owners that are putting canine face masks on your dogs, it's not going to work. Now, the virus is what they call zoonotic, which means it can transfer from animals to humans. Can it go back the other way? I don't really know. But these surgical face masks you see people with don't work. They're not going to stop anything. And uh, a more specialized mask is known as the N95 respirator. Now, that will protect you against the, uh, the uh, coronavirus, the COVID-19 as it's, as it's called. It's thicker than a surgical mask. But so far, the CDC hasn't said you have to use it. Now, here's the interesting thing. I have a relative who distributes to hospital supply companies, and uh, this person does big volume, huge volume, and she communicates directly with the manufacturer in China. And she spoke to somebody uh, last week over in China and asked them about their plant, and their plant is getting back up to speed. It's about 60 70% uh, functional again because their workforce have been, it wouldn't come in. <clears throat> so... She tells me that he told her that even though the plan is 60 to 70% operational, and of course it's going to stay, uh, they're going to uh, try to put it, you know, max out their capacity for production. Guess what? The Chinese government is taking all their production. So those masks aren't going to reach American shores. And the company that uh, this person works for has already allocated all their masks to all their all their hospitals all the hospitals that they have tight relationships they're out okay the medical supply company is out of, of masks and i don't know if there's manufacturing in this country for these n95 respirators but this is something going forward the coronavirus has shown us that this global trade uh, deal has its weaknesses there are risks there are openings and this is one of them. Uh, when you get a, you know, a, a, uh, a well, it's not a pandemic. I don't want to, I don't want to use that word. But when you get something that's like the coronavirus that is interrupting supply chains, guess what? Just in time, which became the mantra in the '90s and early 2000s, just in time delivery breaks down. So that is, uh, it, you know, it's going to cause a lot of companies to you know, rethink their sourcing for production in China. And the last uh, personal knowledge I have is this. A very close friend in California works in the tech industry, and he didn't want to spend a gajillion dollars on a house in Northern California where he lives, so he rents his house. Well, last week he got a call from the owner of the house who happens to live in China, and they told him, we're putting the house on the market. We have to fire sale it because our workers are not coming into our factory. We have no cash flow. So I thought that was an interesting, uh, an interesting anecdote, because, or not anecdote, but an interesting tale because these companies in China, and I've long been telling people that they are funding some companies that shouldn't be in existence uh, these companies in China are running short on cash flow, and they still have to meet their debt obligations. They still have debt service. 
Um, no doubt the Chinese government's printing yuan as fast as they can, but it's not, you know, it's not, if you don't have cash coming in because you, your, your factory shut down, you have to find cash somewhere. And apparently some of these very wealthy factory owners are going to start liquidating uh, real estate. Now on to um, issue number three, and I'm going to throw this in there as as a uh, um, as a uh, nod to uh, Sam because we have to have some sort of uh, some sort of story that shows the Republicans not in a good light. So this is about a story that was breaking today. A federal judge has slapped uh, taken a slap at Attorney General Barr. Um, the uh, news media story said Attorney General Barr showed a lack of candor in his public descriptions of a Mueller's Russian interference report um, in the 2020 election. This was according to U.S. Court ju- District U.S. District Court Judge Reggie Walton. Walton is a former FISA court judge and was nominated to the federal bench by drumroll, please, George W. Bush. Now, Walton states that Barr had distorted the findings of the report in a press conference and in Barr's letter to lawmakers. Uh, The judge's opinion came from a lawsuit brought by BuzzFeed against the Justice Department. BuzzFeed wants to see the unredacted, uh, unedited version of the Mueller report. And this week, Judge Walton ordered the Justice Department to provide him with a unredacted reversion to, uh, to review. And after the judge reviewed the document, the, the judge suggested that Barr's public comments did not align with the report's findings, uh, which calls into doubt the department's claims that the need for parts of the report uh, need to remain secret. So, you know, the Mueller report is apparently still a political hot potato, but now it's going to be a political hot potato because it's going to be about the public perception of the Mueller report uh, that Barr put out there. So that's it for this week. Um, If you like us, please like us on Facebook and visit our Patreon page. Now, as we always do, we're going to be offering up some story headlines that might interest you. Uh, We put on interesting stories on our Facebook feed all the time. These are stories that you won't find in your your normal media, in the mainstream media, and you certainly won't find them on, on the news shows. They're more global in nature. And if you find them, you like them, uh, follow us on uh, Facebook. Now, from standardmedia.co.ke, standardmedia.co.ke, that's the Kenyan newspaper. Uh, Title of the story is, Women Around the World Are Still Victims of the Widespread Gender Bias, According to a New Index That Highlights the Extent of the Global Backlash Towards Gender Equality, which is something, truthfully, that... um, I'd say Elizabeth Warren, you know, uh, brought you know to the table when she was running for president until yesterday. Um, and the study was by the United Nations Development Program, found that almost 90% of the world's population is biased against women. The data is from over 75 countries, covering over 80% of the world's population. Um, another story in standardmedia.co.ke 23 Iranian MPs test positive for coronavirus. Wow. That'd be like 23 congressmen testing positive for coronavirus. Uh, there's a joke there, but I won't tell it because you don't want, you don't really want to joke about anybody getting sick. Now, uh, from the art newspaper.com. This is a very interesting story. The art newspaper.com. There's an old masters scandal. Uh, Italy is rejecting 
a European arrest warrant for a painter connected to a forgery case. Uh, Lino Frangia was arrested in September as part of a major investigation involving works by uh, some mini masters, and the Italian government is refusing to honor it. It's a really fascinating story. Uh, next, from Vox.com, and, uh, and I guess you would say the hashtag MeToo Me movement, uh, Woody Allen, quote, uh, this is the title, Woody Allen got a book deal, staff at his new publisher have walked out in protest. Uh, so what happened was Woody Allen got a book deal with Hatchet Book Group. Um, the Hatchet Book Group employees basically filed out in the streets in protest and said that uh, we stand in solidarity with Ronan Farrow, Dylan Farrow, and survivors of sexual abuse. Interesting story. Um, a video from channel4.com, channel4, the number four, don't spell it out, so channel4.com. This is a video documenta- uh, documentary, and uh, it, it's sad, but it's, uh, it's, it's something that I, I think needs to be seen. Uh, it's about a uh, life inside Poland's gay-free zones, and uh, it's disturbing to watch, and I spent a lot of time in Poland, and... and it's hard for me to believe that this is happening over there on, on some level, on some level it's not. Um, but that's it. That's all. That's our show today. And, uh, next time we will welcome back Sam and he and I will provide another great edition episode of meet in the middle Chronicles. Please remember to like our Facebook page and visit our Patreon page. Uh, go do something special with your kids this weekend.